0: Welcome to New Life Church. Glad to have you guys here with us. My name is Jeff Baker. I get a chance to serve as one of the pastors on staff. I want to say hello to everybody worshiping with us online, everybody at one of our campuses. Come on, at all of our campuses, let me just hear it if you're excited to worship Jesus today. Come on, at all the campuses. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I would scream, but I've got to preach three times, so... I can't do that, right? Because if I scream on this service, I got nothing left on the next one, and that's just the way it goes. Well, hey, guys, look, we've got something exciting today, all right? Now, how many of you guys are new at all of our campuses? You're new to New Life Church within the last, let's just say, seven years. Let me just see your hand. New within the last seven years. Okay. I'm getting ready to introduce a couple to you that served as the lead pastors of this church for almost 34 years. Someone went like, wow. But guys, come on, that's a, long, that's a long time. Can you imagine, can you see yourself giving yourself to the work of God's kingdom at one church for almost 34 years? There, that's to be honored. There's not very many churches that get to do what we're doing today right now. Uh, we, we as a pastoral team and as a deacon board Uh, We really sensed the Lord speaking to us that we were not just to let this couple sit in the pews of our church, because after they served here for 34 years, then they went on to serve our state as what we call the superintendent, overseeing all pastors and all churches for a number of years of their life. And now they're back here just attending New Life, and I felt like that's not right. You can't let a couple who has served God and served God's kingdom like that just come and sit in your church. God, there's got to be something. And as I started praying about it, the Lord reminded me that at few churches across the nation and around the world, do they ever get the opportunity to bring a person and a couple like Bob and Connie Wine back on staff as pastor emeritus, an honorary pastoral position that doesn't require them to work 40 hours a week. Praise the Lord for that. Right? And they don't have to maintain any type of department of ministry. Thank the Lord for that. That they get, they get to serve our body as God leads us to put them in and plug them in where we need to plug them in. But that they are joyfully willing to come back onto our team. And we get to honor them as pastor emeritus. That word just means a place of honor. And I would say to you that the Bible tells us. That we are to give a double portion of honor to those who have devoted themselves to biblical and sound teaching and preaching. And there is no better couple that I have ever met in all of my life that I could ever present to you. To say to you that this couple has served the Lord with incredible integrity. They have served the Lord with a vision. And they have dedicated their life to the kingdom of God. And they served the bulk share of it over three decades here Incarnate serving this church. If you don't know who they are, I got a quick video that's going to introduce Bob and Connie Wine to you as Pastor Emeritus. Check it out.
1: If you're not careful when God whispers to you, it is a moment of opportunity, and if you don't
2: respond, you are squandering a gift of grace. From humble beginnings, Pastor Bob and Connie Wine came to Kearney in October of 1979 with their daughters Danae and Amber to Pastor New Life Church. The congregation grew steadily under their leadership, outgrowing the original facility located at 28th Street and Avenue H. They temporarily moved the Sunday services into the Central Elementary School. With a deep-rooted commitment and passion to reach the people of South Central Nebraska for Jesus, the Wines led the growing congregation to trust God and make incredible financial sacrifices. In 1982, they broke ground and began construction on what is now the current facility. The Wines created a culture of a warm and friendly church where people united to passionately worship God, receive healing and hope, and be equipped to serve others. With a heart to see disciples who make disciples, they launched the first life groups and increased the focus on local and global outreach and grew ministries for kids and youth, which led to three additional building expansions. Bob and Connie passionately served as New Life's lead pastor for nearly 34 years before responding to God's call to become the superintendent of the Nebraska District Council of the Assemblies of God. The Wines ministry has impacted countless lives across Nebraska and around the world.
0: Awesome. Hey, remain standing for a second, all right, because you're just going to want to stand right back up after I make the statement. Um, Everything that we have built and done over these last seven years, multiple campuses and the vision of what God's going to do in the future, we recognize it all comes on the shoulders of couples just like you who have served this church and have served it well. And we recognize that we aren't who we are today because of what's happened in you know, the last couple of years, we are who we are today because of really the 34 years that you guys sowed and you invested. So it's my privilege to introduce to you, right, for the first time, Bob and Connie Wine, pastor emeritus at New Life Church. Come on. Yeah, awesome. Now you can be seated, all right, at all campuses. So I told you guys that at this moment, I was just going to let you have the mic. So it's your mic, what's on your heart, what is it that you really want to share with this body um, at this historic moment, really, for you and for our church. Connie, take it away.
3: Yeah, looking back at the history, you realize, wow, this is historic. Oh, goodness, (laughs) some of those pictures were... (laughs) <laughs> A long time ago it is it truly is an honor to be invited but more so included in what God is doing through new life um, it, it, it is just an honor my greater honor though is doing whatever the king asked me to do no matter where it was when it was sometimes how i felt because i remember as a young mom of two little girls i i i didn't i felt like i didn't have a clue what i was doing in ministry and yet god spoke the words to me that said his power was made greater through my weakness yeah and i i am so thankful that we have the opportunity to serve in this honorary position and whatever god asked us to do you know what (laughs) <laughs> One more time, we say, we're going to do it.
0: Nice. That's great.
1: Well, I want to join her, and I'm, I'm glad I'm close to her. She helps me a lot. Uh, I, I just want to say thank you very much, and especially Jeff and your leadership and your board. Thank you for letting us have this privilege.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh, I feel, we feel very honored, but at the same time, we feel very humbled. Because the truth of the matter is the way we, through our lens, we look at what we're doing right now is, and at what we've done, I should say, simply because we were just doing the best we know how to the call that he gave us. It's that, I mean it's sort of like when you're doing all the work, I'm just doing my job. <laughs> you can maybe express and feel that. But this all began for us, particularly I'll start with me, because that's, that's the part that I want to share here that I think is significant for each of you. It all began with an encounter that our pastor has been talking to us about these, in this sermon series. Uh, it began with an encounter with God, and that's not the only one, trust me. It was that encounter, though, when I met him he called me into ministry and very frankly, and when that call happened, I was not in the best mental or emotional or spiritual attitude, because I really didn't want to do this kind of stuff. I didn't want to preach. And so I, find, I negotiated with God and, and the amazing part is he accepted it. He accepted me where I was. And that's what he does with all of us. And with that, he began to anoint me to do things. First thing that he did was that it was very, 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 very significant was he led Connie to be marrying me. (laughs) Truthfully, uh, God's used her so much. He went on to empower me to do things that, that I know I would never be able to have done by myself. I know that. Nor with her. It's just God's anointing. That's God's grace that comes whenever you give yourself entirely to God. And then as time progressed, we served in different places in California and here in Nebraska and Oregon. In every place, it wasn't so much about what God did through me there. It's what God did in me that I learned more. He chiseled away, and he's still chiseling, and he'll continue to chisel. But I want to be more like him. And I'm an example of what God can do and all the things that you heard, some of you have experienced, is only because of his anointing. And that is what, when you hear God speak to your heart, whatever that is, not necessarily to be a pastor, but to be a teacher, to be a parent, whatever it is, do it knowing that you can do it even if you don't know how to do it he will empower you because that's just who he is right and i just thank god for this privilege of being able to serve in this capacity this is a new a new position but it's something that i know god's called yeah and i say thank god for it and thank you
0: well i'll tell you what you guys are a deep well of wisdom uh, of experience And will be a continued blessing, uh, not just for the past work that you've done, but a continued blessing for the future and what God's going to continue to do through you. So we love you, and we thank you, and we honor you today. Thanks so much, guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: I wonder how that negotiating went with God after 34 years. I wonder how many sermons he actually had to preach a lot of them hey guys we are in week four okay of this series called encounter and the whole series has been really trying to entice you to be hungry for more of god's presence in your life and for you to be hungry enough to go and seek him and to experience god God's got some crazy things and some amazing things he wants to do in you and through you. Week one, we looked at how we have to have expectation for God. There has to be an expectation today that I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm going to meet with God. That's an expectation. That expectation starts a searching. You start looking for, searching for what you're expecting, and that equals finding. And that was God's formula. Week two, we looked at how, you know, encountering God sets you apart. It sets you apart. It it kind of takes you out of the rut of everyday life and it sets you apart to be used for God, for his mission and for what he wants to do in your life. And then last week we looked at encountering God can happen to anyone at anywhere at any time. And I talked to you about three different stories uh, from God's Word that, that show examples of what I'm what I'm referring to. And then we ended last week, I think, with a profound thought that I don't want you to forget. And that that was this statement I said to you now it's time for you to start writing your own story of encountering God I would really highly encourage you to maybe even get a journal okay and the things that you would write in this one journal would just be things that you sense God says to you it could be out of a moment of devotion or a moment of prayer or at a Sunday sermon a time of worship Right? It could be while you're driving down the road and God whispers something into your heart. What if you started journaling those things down in just a journal that was only for? moments of when you encountered god and what it was that you sensed from god what what about the peace that god brought into your life as you were wrestling through a storm or a scripture that god brought to you in the midst of a moment when you really needed it or just you know a calmness that came over you right or that god actually spoke something to you he whispered it to your heart that would be pretty exciting to be able to look back over like think about 34 years from now in your life And what if you could look back in this journal and be like, these are the things that God really spoke and did in my life. Guys, I think that would be highly encouraging for you. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about, as we wrap this thing up, how encountering God changes you forever. It changes you forever. All right, that's where we're going to go. Um, I was reading a uh, recent article in popularmechanics.com. Okay, I was reading this article there, and it was talking about how astronomy has been discovering galaxies in our universe. And it's just incredible through technology how many galaxies we've been able to discover. Science believes right now that there's somewhere in the neighborhood of two trillion galaxies in the universe. Two. That's a lot of galaxies, by the way. You think about it from this perspective, two trillion galaxies, and then think about the galaxy we live in. What's the galaxy we live in? Right, and you remember that because of what, the candy bar. That's right. So let's all get straight here. I don't know scientists. All right, we remember it because of the taste of the candy bar. In our galaxy, okay, just one of two trillion, they believe that there is somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred billion stars, like the one that lights up our day today, just in our one little galaxy, two hundred billion. That's a lot. And then in our galaxy, the Milky Way, just one of two trillion they already have discovered 500 solar systems. So a star with planets that are revolving around it in our galaxy alone. And they believe that they're going to discover more like 10 10 billion galaxies, excuse me, solar systems that are in our galaxy. 10 billion. But the reason why they haven't yet is because of what the sun and the, the, the light of the sun and it and it's like hindrance in us seeing what's really going on in all of our own galaxy. So 500 solar systems that might become 10 billion solar systems just in our galaxy. Now think back when man first started studying astronomy. What did man think about everything that he saw as he looked out into the night sky? What did he think about it? That it all revolved around us. We thought we thought all of that Revolved around us, like literally spun in the sky around us. And now we've literally come to understand that's not the case. And what does this tell us about God? It tells us that God is much bigger than we ever dreamed, imagined, or thought. I'm not afraid of science. All science does is pull back the veil and try to discover what's really going on in what? In what God created. Never, ever should you ever be fearful of science. I love science. Because every time they keep making discoveries, it keeps pointing to how incredible God is. So then you break this thing down, okay? We got 2 trillion galaxies in the universe. We got 200 billion stars in our galaxy. We have currently 500 solar systems in our galaxy that's probably going to become 10 billion. And then we've got planet Earth with 7 billion plus people living on it, breathing its oxygen right now. And then on this planet, there's over 391,000 different type of plant species. And recently, because of the ability to discover microorganisms, Science Now has declared on phys.org that there is over a trillion different animals and microorganisms on planet Earth right now. That's more animal life and microorganism life that's on this Earth than there is even stars in our own Milky Way galaxy. Everywhere God goes is creative. Everywhere he goes is changing things. I say to you today that when you encounter the power and the presence of God, you're walking into the power and presence of a creator that everywhere he goes, he changes things. How in the world could you encounter God, the creator of all things, and not be changed in light of what you just heard? I'm telling you today that God, the creator of everything I just mentioned, wants to meet with you today in a personal way. In a personal way. That's who he is. That's what he's doing. He's been doing that throughout his word. Moses met with God on Mount Sinai in the Old Testament. He comes down off of the mountain. He walks back into, you know, uh, the camp where the Israelites are. And the Israelites are like, dude, man, I wish I had sunglasses right now. Your face is glowing so bright I can't look at you. He was changed in the presence of God. A woman was in desperate need of being healed. And she thought that, you know... I know Jesus can heal, and if I could just get close to him, then maybe I could be healed. And one day as Jesus is walking through the crowded streets, she pushes through the crowd, and she gets up, and there comes Jesus. She reaches out, and she touches, she touches the edge of his clothing, and she's instantaneously healed. And Jesus, in the midst of this crowded street that, where you know maybe 50, 100 people have rubbed shoulders with him and arms with him in the last couple of minutes as he's been walking, all of a sudden stops, and he goes hey, wait a minute, I just sensed power go out from me. There was an encounter with God in the midst of that street that changed that woman and she was healed forever. After Jesus' death and his resurrection, and he ascends to heaven. There are 120 followers like you and me. And they're seeking God and they're just praying and they're doing what Jesus said, which was go to the upper room and pray so that the Holy Spirit would come. And after 40 days of prayer, the Holy Spirit fell upon them in a powerful way that changed them. They even began to speak in other languages that they didn't normally speak in. These were just Galileans. These were just fishermen. These were just common, everyday, ordinary people. But that morning, while the streets were crowded because of a large festival that was going on in the city of Jerusalem, there were people from every nation that spoke every language. And they were walking by, and they were hearing from this room. These people speak perfect their dialect. And they said to them, they go, how do you know my language? You are just simple fishermen. But yet what you're saying is perfect, and you're declaring the wonders and the miraculousness of God changed from the inside out that day. I'm telling you that you, you too, will be changed when you encounter God. This is one of the reasons why we need to encounter God, for the change that happens. See, God encounters, they'll do a few things. They'll change your faith, number one. actually change your faith it's one thing just to to know about god or to have knowledge about god it's another thing to know his power and there's a lot of people who call themselves christians that they know things about god up here okay but they don't really know god here and i just want to tell you today that we encounter the power in the presence of god So that our heart is changed, so that our spirit is changed. And let me just say this to you. The more you encounter the power and the presence of God like it's going to happen in your life while you're here at New Life today at all of our campuses and even watching online, that will increase, yes, your knowledge of God. But I'm just going to, I also am going to say this to you. There are very, very few people that ever grow in the knowledge of God that ever experience an encounter with the power and the presence of God. Because they just become cerebral followers of God. And I'm just going to say this to you, that in this world in which we live in, you're not going to walk out your Christianity just by the knowledge that you have of God. It will require the anchor moments of your faith that increase and is strengthened because of your encounters with God. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying to the church in Corinth. He was driving this point home when he said these words to them in chapter 2. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Basically, he says this, I relied only on the encounters that I had with God. I relied on those encounters to preach the message to you, to deliver it to you. And then he said this, I did that, and he did more, but listen, I did that, verse 5, So that you would what? Trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Paul was coming to this church and he was saying these things to them. Look, guys, I didn't come with all my accolades. I'm a very educated guy. I could have said big words to you that would have wowed you. I could have maybe told you stories that would have caused you to laugh, stories that would have caused you to cry, but I didn't come with that technique. I came simply this. I know Jesus and him crucified, And I want to display to you, I want to lead you now into an encounter with God. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say that it was the doctrine that he was going to preach to them that was going to cause them to trust in the power of God. It was the displays of and their encountering of the power of God that was going to cause them to trust in God. I propose to you that just potentially Maybe all of us in this room have been trying to build a faith and a trust in God based on just the doctrine and the knowledge of God. And we wonder why we struggle in our faith. And we wonder why we struggle in growing in our faith. And we wonder why our faith doesn't feel alive. Could it be that we're walking down the wrong path first? And the first path we're supposed to be walking down is a path of encountering the power and the presence of God in our life that then leads to understanding God and understanding doctrine and strengthen those capacities because you need both, I get it. But one has to come before the other. And Paul says, when I came to you, I decided this would be the most important so that you would first trust in the power of God. This is where God wants us to be and this is what I want for you. I want you to be people that trust in the power of God. I don't want you to fear an encounter with God. I don't want you to fear that. I don't want you to be ignorant about an encounter with God either. And I definitely don't want you to be living underneath a lie, believing a lie that you you weren't designed to encounter God. I mean, those three things, fear, ignorance, and a lie, they can warp people and they can really control people. And those things are happening in our world today, right now. There is fear that's co- that with a message of ignorance and a lie. And what does it do? It causes chaos. And it's not just happening today. It's been happening in societies. It happens with the heart of man. Back in the 1830s, as an example, you'll find this would be really interesting. The 1830s, the train was going to start carrying passengers. Revolutionary. Because the train could go three times faster than a horse-drawn carriage. This was gonna get people places much quicker than they've ever got before. But this large, massive group of doctors and scientists said to the people, they said to, you know, America as an example, or they said to another country that had trains, they go, hey, hold on, time out, don't do it. Man was never designed to go that fast. We believe that if man goes that fast, it's going to do something crazy to his brain. In fact, it's going to make people go mad. No, this is true. This is the honest truth. Go Google it. This was the message that went out. No, you can't take the train. You'll go mad. Your brain will just rip apart. You were never meant to go that fast. Well, what if we actually believed that lie, right? We walked in that ignorance, and we let that fear control us. What would our world look like today? Horse-drawn carriage... With my cell phone, that's what it would look like today. (laughs) Horse-drawn carriage with my laptop, that's what it would look like. Could you imagine that? No cars, no airplanes, no spaceships, because man wasn't meant to go that fast. Because I think that in the same way, we are held back from encountering God because of our fear, our ignorance, and lies that we live underneath. Could that be possible? It was possible for trains. I'm guaranteeing you it's possible when it comes to encountering God. Let's just come to the conclusion right now that yes, it is true. And just possibly we are all being held down because of fear and ignorance and a lie. What if if those things were able to be removed? What if... Today, you came face to face with your creator. What if today, the presence and the power of God intersected your life and it changed you? I would say that God's encounters would strengthen your faith like we're talking about right now. He would remind you that he's real. He would remind you that you're not alone. He would remind you that you were created, created for a purpose, not created by chance. He'd remind you that he is powerful. When we encounter God, things change in our life. Your faith gets strengthened. But here's some other things. God encounters, they also change your pride. See, when when you encounter the power and the presence of God, you're reminded how big God is and how small you are. You're reminded how God is truly in control. It doesn't matter what it is you're struggling with, whatever you're struggling with is small in complexity and in size to the eternity that will be with God. It's like back to the beginning of my message. When you think about two trillion universe that are, in, or two trillion galaxies that are in our universe, I think how small are you really? I mean, it's like, I'm just like a speck of dust in the midst of this universe, but yet God loves you and he pursues you and he chases you. And when I consider how big and massive God is and his creation is, then I have to be humbled down to this point where I recognize that my encounters with God, they keep me humble. They keep me in this place of recognizing that I am little, God, you are big. That's where we need to be. This is what Peter talks about in First Peter. He says these words. He says, look, guys, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, God will lift you up and honor you. Encounters with God, one of the things that they are meant to do in our lives is to change us and to erode our pride because pride, number one, pride is disgusting between each other and God hates pride. He wants humbleness. The more humble we are, the more we are to encounter God. And by the way, when you're seeking encounters with God, it's really hard to seek yourself selfishly. Think about that for a minute. The more you're seeking to encounter God, the more you're seeking to honor God, the more you're seeking to walk according to what God's called us to walk, the less time we have just to seek our own selfish desires. I don't want you to ever think that encountering God and whatever happens and however thick your journal gets, that somehow you are better than others because you've encountered God. Because that's simply not the point. The point is that God wants all of us to encounter him on a regular basis. How's my pride going to stay diminished if I'm not encountering God on a regular basis? If I'm not being reminded he is big and he's in control and I'm little and I'm not in control. The more humble you are, the more you you will encounter God. Third thing, though, is this, that God encounters, they change your sin nature. I've heard people talk about encounters with God, uh, and they use the description. They say, I was in God's presence in a moment of prayer, in a moment of worship, and I felt like I was being undone, like I was being unraveled, like in a way I was being undone where the veil of secrecy was being pulled back, and I was standing there transparent like I was naked before God, and he saw my sin, and he saw my false motives, and he saw the imperfections of my life. It was as if I was in God's presence and I was being undone. And I'm convinced that there are many people that don't seek encounters with God simply for that very reason. They didn't know it beforehand, but now you've heard the term. Now you understand what I'm talking about. We don't seek an encounter with God because we look at ourselves and we already see our sin. Why would we want to walk into the presence of God and to be undone? I'm telling you. Here's the reason why you feel undone in God's presence. It's because God's going, sin separates you from me. I want you to be close to me. Therefore, when you're in my presence, sin is exposed. So that we can do something with it. We can repent. And there's a lot of grace that comes with that. That's the grace of God. I don't know about you, but I would rather be undone this side of eternity than to be standing before the throne of God to be judged for my life And in that moment, to be undone? Because if I'm undone at that moment, I have no time to repent. If I'm undone on this side of eternity, I have time to repent. I have time to make make it right in the sense of, God, I repent to you. I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to change my motive. I'm going to change my belief. I'm going to walk that out according to the power of your Holy Spirit. But if you wait to be undone, and every single human being will be undone, In the presence of God, when we stand before his throne, there is no more decisions to be made at that moment. So that that leads me to an understanding that encountering God's presence, it reminds me that God is holy, and I'm not, but yet he calls me to live holy. This is what Peter said about the issue. He goes, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now, now, right, you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. God's the one who calls us to live holy. He goes, look, there was a moment in your life when, man, you were away from God. There was a moment in your life when you didn't know what God's word said. Okay, that that was a season. But you're not there anymore. Now, some of you might still be there because you've yet to surrender and commit your life to Jesus Christ. He's not your leader and he's not your Lord. So I get it. That's where you're living. You're living in the, you, you didn't know any better. But you can't stay there because today I'm telling you the truth. So it's time to make a move. It's time to make a decision. It's time to decide, am I going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ today? You can't live in that zone forever. There's a moment when you've gotta come to the realization that God, you are who you said you are. And after that, church, God's motive for our life is to start living more holy. So what happens when we encounter the power and the presence of God? We are undone in his presence so that we can live holy as he is holy. That's what he's called us to do. And you'll never live holy if you're you're not consistently in the presence of God. How can you do it? You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough, and that's not being derogatory. I'm not strong enough or smart enough to live holy. I, if I'm not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, if I'm not walking in the presence of God, if I'm not seeking encounters with God and being reminded He's holy and I'm not, I'm going to tell you right now there's going to be they're not going to be the proper motive to live holy. I'm going to live earthly. I'm going to go live a man's world kind of lifestyle. We encounter God to be reminded he's holy and that's what he's calling us to. So we shouldn't be running away from God. We should be running towards him to encounter him today. So I've told you throughout this entire series that an encounter with God is something that starts inside here. But I'm here today to tell you that when God encounters you, it will start here, but it quickly moves out here. And when you're encountering God, you won't be able to keep that to yourself. People will start to notice a lifestyle change. People will start to notice that there's something different about you like they noticed about Moses, like they noticed about the disciples who were in the upper room praying. People will start to notice. You cannot keep secret your Christianity and encounter the power and the presence of God. If you truly want to go beyond just the knowledge of God to knowing and trusting the true power of God, your life is going to be changed. People are going to start noticing Things will start happening for God's, yes, God's glory and for the the betterment of God's kingdom, but you won't be able to stay the same. And it's okay, church. So here's what I want you to do today I want you to get hungry for God's presence. Let's be expecting God's presence. Let's start searching after God's presence today. Let's get hungry and start searching after His presence today. God, come and meet with me today. God, show yourself to me today. God, speak to my heart today. God, change me from the inside out. God, don't let me be the same man or the same woman, right? Whatever your prayer is, let's get hungry and let's start searching after God. In worship, let's go after him. In worship, it's not just about singing the words that are on the wall, okay? It's about in here, in the heart, am I searching after God? I'm not just here to go through a religious routine, right? So I'm searching after God. God, come, God, I wanna know you more. God, have your way in my life. God, you're awesome if there's nothing else to say. I'm telling you, if that's your heart today, you'll find him. But you'll be changed. You won't be the same. You'll be forever changed. So I'm here today to tell you the good news. That God, your creator, who created all the things I talked about at the beginning of the message, is here today. And he's here to encounter you. He's here to meet you. Right where you are. And he's wondering, he's hoping, he's desiring that you are hungry enough to seek after him so that he can manifest his presence. He can show himself to you in a way that will change you from the inside out. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, as we come to the end of this series and the end of this sermon today, It's not the end of encountering you. It's just the beginning. It's the beginning for so many of us that are starting a journey that's far beyond just having head knowledge of you. And it's having heart experiences with you. That Just like Paul said to the church of Corinth, I hear your spirit saying to us today that, Lord, you want us to encounter you so that we can trust in your power. Lord, may this church trust in your power. This be a church that truly knows you, they know your ways. They know your capabilities. They walk in that kind of faith. It's not a selfish desire for an encounter. It's a hunger desire that says, "God, if, if I'm not in your presence today, if I don't sense you, if I don't, if I don't get close to you today, God, how do I live my life? How do I live holy? Right? How's my faith ever changed? How do I become the man and the woman that you want me to be? Absent of your power, absent of your presence, God, I'm doomed. So let's show yourself today at New Life Church. Show up in power. Show up in a powerful way that, quite frankly, leaves me different than I've ever been before. And I pray that for this congregation in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.